I was afraid that I was going to lose my employees that, you know, were just fantastic men. I was afraid I was going to lose them and they would go off and do something that they didn't want to do, like, you know, work at Amazon, work at FedEx, something like that. I wanted to keep it as normal as possible, even though that wasn't a possibility, you know, but I was just trying to keep everybody calm around me. Looking back, I, I, I did the best that I could. I did. I did. They all came back to me, you know. Um, I took them out as, as, as much as I could. You know, I kept them around. Uh, we would have, like, barbecues and things like that. We had the baby shower from Maryland, you know, in, in July that year. And so we were as normal as possible. My wife was robbed of a great many things when it comes to the experience of being pregnant. Like, it wasn't very joyous. It was one full of fear. I couldn't go to uh, any of the sonograms, you know, so I didn't get to experience the, uh, the pregnancy of our first child. And um, I was there for the birth. I made sure I was there for the birth. I was very adamant about that. Uh, that's a whole nother story. But <clears throat> the, the point is, I did my best to keep everyone calm around me. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. The podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. For more information on this series, go to myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's experience with an ED for my fellow Marines out there, especially since we've got an Army vet in here that says we can't read. Whoop. Yep. Hey, now. And uh, what you want to do is hit that podcast button on there, scroll down to this episode and other episodes here with my friend Bobby Corbin. The man with the most beautiful beard I've ever seen in my life. How do? That is, that is a legit beard, by the way. Yeah, the trick is not shave it. <laughs> no shit, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> third place. I got third place in the Los Angeles mustache competition. Did you? Back in 2013, yeah. 2015? Yeah. So, like, how do you keep it so straight, though? Because, like, I, I have a bad habit of picking my beard. Got to wash it. People say I don't wash it. Yeah. They're lying to you. You got to wash it? Do you have like a beard straightener or something like that? You just it just naturally grows that long. Ten fingers. Ten fingers, man. Yeah. Oh man, I got. See, I have a bad habit. It's like when I'm really focused on stuff, I do this, and Who's then it? I end up I end up like picking a bald spot. Yeah, but at the end of the night, it's as pointy as a pencil. Yeah, just yeah. And I also pull some out. Oh yeah, like look I, how white it is now. Oh yeah. Well, that's because you got two kids now. Jesus, that'll make I do. you have gray hair. That'll make you have gray two hair. Little baby angels. Yeah, the love of my life. Well, you know, they're babies one day and then Satan the next, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa! We easy. <laughs> easy. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You're like, you're like Jesus. Like, are they trying to make evil on my life right now? Like, what the hell? Like, how can you be so sweet and so evil at the same I've time? I've never seen something run so fast as when they have something they shouldn't have in their hands. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm loving it. Yeah. 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 So let's uh, let's talk to the audience. Kind of give a little background because you're from Texas, right? Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can break it up into three different states. I think. Uh, I was born in California, and then we got to Texas pretty early. My dad was a defense contractor on the B one and B two projects, so we were back and forth California and Fort Worth, and then. Uh, New York came into play at an early age, and I spent about a third of my life there. 
And then I went back to LA because I thought that was a good idea. I was on my way back to New York on my motorcycle, stopped back in Fort Worth, met my wife a couple days after that, and it stuck. It just trapped me. Yeah. So here I am, man. Oh, what year was this, though? 2015. 2015? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, somewhere along the way, you spent a little time in the Army. I did. I huh? did. So my mother passed away in September of 97. I was 16. When I turned 17, I started looking at uh, Marines, Navy, Army. I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to serve. Yeah. Since a young age, you know, like there's, there's newspapers of where they'd come to the school and it's like career day and I was always a yeah. soldier. So I knew I wanted to serve and my parents wanted me to join the Navy and go to law school. I don't know if that was for my benefit or that the fact JAG was a popular show back then, <laughs> but that's what they wanted me to do. They wanted me to be an officer. They didn't want me just to enlist. Yeah. And uh, my dad was a Marine. Yeah. So I was, I was pretty bought into that culture. Yeah. I knew, more to, I knew more about the Marine Corps at the age of eight than some Marines that I know now. Yeah. But that didn't pan out. And then I knew I kind of wanted to join the Navy because I wanted to travel. I just couldn't think of a job, you know, and I hate the sea and, <laughs> and everything in it. <laughs> Air Force is a non-starter. So, you know, being 17, what I did is I took um, my parents' death certificate. I was emancip uh, emancipated to the state. Okay. So I was basically an orphan. And I took all of my paperwork into uh, the Army recruiter. And there just so happened to be this retired colonel there. And he sat me on a couch and said, have you ever heard of snake eaters? <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, that sounds fucking cool. <laughs> and uh, so that was how I got started in the Cavalry Scouts. I'm just glad the government decided to take a chance on a kid like me. Yeah. They normally don't. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, scouting has always been a big part of my life. I was a Tiger Cub, Cub Scout, Boy Scout. And then, uh, yeah, Cavalry Scout. Uh, so I... Took the oath in September of 98. I was in a delayed entry program up until September 98. Yeah. And then uh, fast forward to 2005, and that, yeah. that was a story of me. Other than that, unremarkable. Yeah. I was a good soldier. I had a good record. And, you know, I took a lot out of it. Yeah. I, I don't know where I'd be without it. Like, I knew... When I was, you know, when I was 17, I had these friends, and they were like, we're going to write to you every day and then we'll come visit you and, you, you know, we'll pick it right back up when we start. Like you're going to prison Obviously, or something. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? That's funny you say prison because that's exactly what it feels like yeah. when, uh, when you first get there. Yeah. You're like, what did I do? I'm here for a good cause. Why do people have to be so mean to me? <laughs> you know, they, they'd catch more flies with honey, which is absolute bullshit. Right. You know it is. Oh, you yeah. know, And so you get torn down and you get brainwashed. You yeah. absolutely do. Because yeah. when's the last time you were excited to eat? Or excited to go to bed, mm -hmm. you know, and and that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? And so it took this fragile seventeen-year-old kid that weighed one hundred and twenty pounds, who had just lost his mother, you know, had no direction, and and turned him into a man that could do things that he never thought possible. Yeah. Like that was one thing that I really took from the military, was that, you know, you can imagine. I can't possibly walk this far in a day. I can't possibly imagine doing this. I can't possibly imagine saying this or, you know, standing tall in front of the man and doing what's right. Never thought that possible. Never really had the chance to be tested like that. Yeah. And then you are, and then, you know, you come through and it's just another thing to put on your belt. And, you know, that, that echoes throughout your entire life. Yeah. So even now, you know, I don't think about the Army, at, you know, much at all anymore, but I know that those core tenants are definitely installed in me. Yeah, it's the same way. You know, I mean, at 17, I mean, I wasn't, 
I wasn't a bad kid, but you can say that I had a lot of energy, right? Yeah. And that energy needed to be directed somewhere. And so, you know, for me, my parents had to sign, took off boot camp, realized, holy shit, I should have gone to college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I say I tried. that jokingly. Right. I, I, I tried. I, I really tried to do college. I, I, I kind of wanted to, or I really wanted to respect my mother's wishes that I go to college and, and don't enlist just wasn't in the cards. Yeah. And if you look back at the people that were in my life as friends, uh, where they were when I was in the army, where they were when I got out of the army and you look at them today, it's yeah. not great, man. Yeah. It's not great. Yeah. It just kind of meandered. And I think, you know, this was in, this was in Fort Worth. This is in East Fort Worth. Yeah. East Fort Worth has a way of just chewing people up, man. Doesn't matter who you are, what your name is. You're going to get chewed up. If you don't do something for yourself and take action, it will eat you alive. You're stuck in It'll the eat trap. you alive as fast as New York City or Los Angeles. Absolutely 100%. Yeah. Coming from someone who has experience in all of those places, East Fort Worth is one of the harder towns I've ever been to. Yeah. No. No lie. I mean, whenever I got out of the Marines and joined Fort Worth PD, that was where I was first positioned at. was over there in East yeah. Fort Worth, you know, and this is back in the 90s. Well, that's when, when it was hot. Yeah. Oh, dude, it was hot, hot. Dude, I worked yeah. a stabbing, shooting, or a homicide, sometimes all three in the same day. Yeah, that's when it was fashionable, yeah. Yeah. you know, to, to be violent. Yeah. No. And I saw that in high school. I saw that in middle school. I saw that in high school. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it was, it was definitely a tough, tough area. Absolutely. Right? You know, I mean, you know, luckily I was familiar with what, you know. Could you have done that without the Marine Corps? I'm not sure I would have been quite qualified. Yeah. And I don't mean from what I learned in the Marines is uh, um, the Marines gave me more direction, right? Like yeah. you were talking about. Absolutely. Like you just, you get in there and, and I've always been a person of high confidence. But when I got into the Marines, I learned what direction and discipline mean. Yeah. Right? I'm not going to say that I'm necessarily still good at direction and discipline but <laughs> what i will say is i learned you know through what i did in the marines that everything is possible and then when i got out and i joined the pd i did it because i lost direction like when you're in the military you have direction you have a purpose you know it's, it's forced it, upon you sure yeah i mean you know hey i got to be there at 6 a.m for this formation or hey we're gonna go run yeah. physical fitness test or hey this is what time we go to the chow hall so your life is very very much controlled and then when you get out you're like the hell do i Absolutely. Go do now right did you did you have a hard time assimilating oh man like so i got out and I did the reserves for about a year afterwards, right? Mm, yeah. But even my first, like, 60 days out, and I was on terminal too, right? So I had so much leave saved up that I sold back, like, I think it was like 60 days, and then I still took, like, 30 or 60 days terminal. I can't remember what, what it was, but I just remember getting out and thinking, hey, I'm a Marine Corps vet. Everybody's going to want to hire me. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So you got burned too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's almost kind of like when you hear someone say, "Thank you for your service," and you're like, "Oh, so what you're saying is fuck you, right?" <laughs> yeah. Thanks for paying your taxes. Yeah, thanks for paying your taxes. And you know, so I, I have, I quickly learned there are several categories of people in this country: those that served, 
right? It's a very small population. It's like 6.8% of us. That's it. Is it that much? Yeah, it's it's actually probably lower now because these Vietnam vets are dying off. They're, I don't even think there's any World War. No, there's a few World War II vets left over. A handful, over. though. Yeah, and then the Korean War vets, I mean, they're dying off, and now Vietnam vets are dying off. Yeah. And the Vietnam vets is where we had a lion share population, yeah. right, uh, of vets. And so they're dying off, so we might even be closer down to 5 or under 5% of the population, right? So then it was like, okay, you've got people that served. And then also equally, in my opinion, small group or people that, hey, you served. I want to do something for you. Yeah, how does that right? feel, though? You know what I mean? You know, and, and it's like— It's always so, kind of weird. Yeah, and it's like, and it's like yeah, I mean, like, like they will no kidding put their money where their mouth is when they're like, I hire vets, right? You know what sure. I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then you've got the yellow ribbon folks. Hey, thanks for your service. Right. That's about as far as it goes. And then you've got a population that's like, hey, I don't like you because you served in the military. Do, I mean, like, do those yeah. people exist anymore, though? Yeah. And, and, you know and, I mean? well, and here's the thing is people that are, I don't know, I don't, I don't call them anti-military, but really don't care. But I have more respect for someone that looks at me and goes, yeah, you served in the military, and I really don't care about any of that. Yeah. And someone that's, like, tying a yellow ribbon around a tree going, hey, thanks for your service. And you're like, hey, cool. Can you do something to help vets? Yeah, man, that's one of those things yeah. that you only have to learn that lesson once. Right. You know. So, so myself, I personally believe that every man should take an oath to serve his country. Yeah. I honestly believe that, and, and no choice of words can weigh me from that. It's not for everybody. But you look at other uh, places like like Israel, selective yeah. service, two years, yeah, you know, serve serve the cause. So I believe in that. Can we implement it? No. Yeah. You know, so it, it doesn't like our military's me. not that big, right? I mean, they're yeah. So it doesn't bother me when I see someone that hasn't served. Yeah. I just feel like it's every man's duty. So that's kind of yeah. how I look at it. Yeah. And the other vets that I associate with, because I hire like half of my staff are vets. Yeah. And we never talk about. It. Yeah, we just don't talk about the military unless we're going out shooting or something. We just don't talk about it. Yeah, because it's one of those things that you knew you had to do and you did it, and now we're all just folk now. Yeah, right. Yeah, and you can tell who did and who didn't. And like I said, I don't judge anybody who didn't. I just kind of think maybe you should have. And I'll yeah. tell you right now, I know I know a lot of people that uh, uh, wish that they did. Yeah, you know they're looking at thirty eight, thirty nine. They feel like. They haven't served their country. It's kind of coming back to bite them. Well, there's nothing you can do about that. The only thing you can do to serve your country is to raise a fine family. Right. So that's kind of what I tell them is, yeah, you didn't really miss much. <laughs> yeah. Trust me, being but, shot at ain't all that cracked know, up to be, right? Yeah. 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 And you know what? Nobody believes the stories anyway. And when you tell them, you feel like yeah. a fucking liar. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. just leave it there. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. But yeah, the only thing you can do now to serve your country is to raise a respectable family. Yeah. And that will serve the same purpose, I think. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's kind of how I feel about it, you know. Yeah. I, I see it enough to know. Yeah. That's so when I, got out, when I got out and I was going job interview to job interview to job interview and everybody was like, hey, thanks for your service. And I was like, hey, totally not getting hired, right? Yeah. So, I mean, got me a good enough degree, you know, dropping out of high school and all and no college. Yeah. You know, what are you good at? Mm-hmm. You know, cleaning my room. Right. Shooting weapons, shooting people. Yeah. Uh, not, you know, not a lot of skill sets, you know, was very effective at them, but not a lot of skill sets. So the PD became the 
logical choice. It was the safe bet for me. It's very similar. I wear a uniform. It's I a, have to be somewhere. You, you can map out the progression. Yeah, yeah. And so, so it was the safe bet for me. And then... Did you do it because it was the it was the natural progression of things, or did you do it because you felt like you still had a duty to serve? Uh, I, I would say I would I would say probably both, right? Yeah. Is because see, when I first got out, and I was out for sixty days, and I was like, man, this is just not what I was cracked up to do. Not a chance. Yeah. And so I tried to go back in, and I got out as a sergeant E five. And they were like, cool, we'll put you back in as an E3. And I was like, dude, I've been out like not even two months. Oh, yeah. Marine Corps is vicious that way, right? You got fucked on that one. Oh, man. And I was like, I'm not going back in as a Lance Cooley. What are you, out of your mind? It pissed me off. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. And then I went down, applied for PD, got hired a few months later. Yeah. Joined that. And then that seemed like the logical thing to do. There was a lot of similarities, right? I got to wear a uniform. I got a gun. People tell you where to be. People tell me where to be. Got a set of rules to follow. You have the confidence and, you know, it can be a hostile environment, which is something you're used to. Uh, I, so, let's see, maybe six or seven years after I got out, I didn't feel fulfilled. I did when I got out. Yeah. Because I wanted to get away from the Army as far as possible. Yeah. Got my ears pierced, went to film school, yeah. you know, started dating emo chicks. It was just, <laughs> I didn't want anything to do with it. And I never talked about it. Yeah. I never talked about it. I'm, I know for a fact that there were people with my friends for five or six years in New York and New Jersey. I had no idea I was in. No idea. And I liked it like that. Because no. I was just a person just like them. And that wore on me that I wasn't still serving my country. Because, you know, just growing up, I had this incredible urge and a duty to this country. And so when I was around 30, I applied to the Los Angeles to <laughs> Los Angeles Police Department. I have a friend who's a cop. He's still a cop there now. He's got like 12 years service as a sergeant in the LAPD. And we would go out drinking, and, and he would talk me into it. So like every time we go drinking, you know, it's the next day I'm going to be a cop. Yeah, next time I'm going to be a cop. My girlfriend at the time was not trying to hear any of this shit. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, man, one day I just kind of called this bluff, and I went and I did it. I totally forgot about it. Until a year later, when I was on my way out, and uh, I was heading back to New York, and I swear it was the week. Like, I had already sold all my stuff. Yeah. I had cars, I had trucks, and motorcycles. I sold all of that. Put in my my notice with my landlord, and I got a call from Sergeant Jackson, LAPD, and the first thing you think is, oh, shit, what did I do? And he was like, hey, yeah, um... How would you like to come in and we can get you in this academy class? I was like, oh, shit. I totally forgot about you. <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, sure. And I just left anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I just left anyway. I was like, yeah. Because I didn't want to say yeah. no just in case something happened. Yeah. And I stayed. I didn't want to close the door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and what's funny is that once you get it, once it's in front of you, you're like, eh, yeah. I really want this. Yeah. No. Nah. Yeah. I, had a, I had a friend, uh, I had a mentor back in New York that really talked me out of it. You know, it didn't take a whole bunch of whole bunch of conversation. Yeah. You know, a few select words. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. And then uh, that was it. And, and, and plans got thrown out the window, man. And that felt really good, you know, because I left with my motorcycle and whatever cash I had from what I had sold. And I had options. And I had nowhere to be at the time. Yeah. So I considered myself retired. And, <laughs> and it, when leisure becomes work, that's when there's a problem. Right. You know, that's, right. that's when you really start to eat into yourself because you have no purpose and direction. As humans, we need conflict. Mm-hmm. We need conflict so we can resolve something. And if you don't have that, that's when you see people like lose their keys, lose their watch because they need some problem to sort out. 
And, you know, if you spend two years just fucking off, it starts to eat at you. And that's when you start to find inner conflict that you really can't overcome unless you apply yourself again. So that's kind of where I was at. And luckily I found my wife right after I moved here. Yeah. And uh, How'd you meet her? So I was riding through town. I, uh, I went to this Mexican restaurant in, um, in South Fort Worth. And uh, she was sitting there alone. And I was like, I got nothing to lose. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah. And I walked up to her and I said, hey, is the seat taken? There's nobody in the restaurant. She's like, yeah. Sit down. And we got to talk. And I talked to her like I knew her my entire life. And so did she. And then uh, we ate. And I was like, let's go this bar. I acted like I didn't really know Fort Worth. Like I was playing my hand of I'm just this stranger rolling through town. This outlaw rolling through town. I knew knew Fort Worth. Yeah. And she so happened to live in East Fort Worth. Um, So that was really strange. Yeah. You know, the way that it all came back around. That was right back where I started from. Where I didn't want to be in the first place. Yeah. And so anyway, I went to a bar and it was one of those like 12 hour dates. You know, and she went home and I went home and that was it, man. We just started dating after that. Yeah. But you knew you were staying whenever you... Uh, Yeah. I, I, I knew that... I was in absolutely no rush to go back to New York after I met this girl. Yeah. And I had work there. That was the problem. <laughs> so, like, I, like I, had, I had jobs that, that I'd contracted myself out to. And, you know, they tried to work around me. I was like, ah, yeah, man, it's going to be, like, another two weeks. Some of you have heard that one before. Yeah. Two weeks. Yeah. And um, they were like, yeah, well, we got, these, we got this thing in Austin. And then Austin got flooded at the time. That was, mm. like, 2015, 2016. Um. Austin had this huge flood. So I was off the hook. Still got paid for it, but I was off the hook. Didn't even have to go. Yeah. And they're like, well, we can pivot you up to Osage Nation and, and go pick up this, uh, this gear up there, tear it down, bring it back. I was like, I could do that. And I went, I, I got it, and I shipped it off. Well, I still had to go and pay my dues in New York. Like, I, like, I had yeah. to go and pay the piper. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is only like two months after I met her, three months after I met her, I think. Yeah. Is that I said, hey, do you want to come to New York with me? Because there's no big deal. I know New York like the back of my hand. You know, I felt very comfortable there. She said she had been, when she was a kid, she hadn't been to New York. Like, she had been, you know, with her family or, or, or school or whatever. But she hadn't, like, seen the things that I had as an adult. I think she went when she was like 10. And so I was really excited to show her around. And um, I think she had a great time. And she, I remember she told me she got a manicure because she thought I was going to propose to her. <laughs> and so every time we stopped to like get a picture or something, like we stopped at Central Park, like, oh, let's get a picture. She's all thinking you're going to pop a ring. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, so she's like handing her purse off to some stranger, you know, something like that. And <laughs> handing her purse off to a stranger in New York. Never happened. All places, right? Never happened. And so, <laughs> and so oh, you know, and I had left... I left a couple of things back in uh, L.A. that I didn't want to get rid of. I left them with my cop friend. And uh, so, like, six months after we went to New York, we went to L.A. Same exact thing. Like, oh, let's go to this restaurant in Malibu. Let's go across the street and get our pictures. Same exact thing. She thought we were going to get married. Uh, Yeah, it wasn't until, like, a year and a half later that I actually proposed to her. So, Did you know she was wanting you to... Propose. I'm so stupid. <laughs> I'm so girl dumb. You know, I'm just an idiot. Yeah. When it comes to girls, I'm just an idiot. Yeah, just like my dad and his dad. But uh, 
no, I, I, I kind of had this feeling that like if I had asked, she would say no. There wasn't a moment where I was nervous when we got proposed. Yeah. Because I just, you know, it just seemed like the, like this is the natural progression of this relationship and it needs to happen. You know, I'm not going to lose her because of uh, some, like she thinks that I'm unwilling to commit. No, you're the one. I love you. Let's yeah. do this thing. We did. We did. We got, uh, we got engaged in August and then uh, married in October. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Flew out to Vegas, got married by Elvis. Oh, yeah. And then uh, I flew back that night and worked at the pub <laughs> in my suit. In my suit, yeah, yeah. Dropped her off at the house on the way from the airport and went and opened up the pub, and there we go. Yeah. So. Let's talk been, about that. Let's talk about the pub. Yeah, let's talk about it. Well, wait, before we go to the pub, yeah. some, you've had two other wonderful things that have happened to you since you got married. That's right, yeah. Yeah, Marilyn and mm. Rosalyn. Two little girls. Uh, one will turn two this summer, and the other is uh, she'll be five months old next next week. Yeah, two already. Yeah, golly. Yeah, like I remember when you were like just getting ready to have. Yeah. Well, not you, your wife, but yeah. well, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, yeah, 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 yeah. What a whirlwind. Yeah, it's uh, not something you can really put in words. You know what I'm talking about, and it's funny because. You were there for me when we were in the hospital. You know, Marilyn was just a couple of hours old, and we were, you and I were talking, and you being a father really helped me out, man. You know, it was, it was just this, this crazy calm that, you know, I, I'm not alone. You know, you know, people have done this for millennia. But it's not until you have someone else that is, like, in front of you that tells you, hey, man, this is going to be okay. This is a whirlwind. You're going to love it. So yeah, that that was you were a big inspiration for uh, you know me and how I handle the birth of my first child. Oh, thanks a lot to me. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's very rewarding. It is very hard work. You know, two kids, a couple of businesses. Yeah, it takes its toll on it, and and to maintain a relationship. Well, see, that's the thing: is businesses can open and close. Yeah. Being responsible for another human being. Yeah. Where the other r- r- human being didn't agree to the contract, right? Like eh. you do in a marriage, right? Yeah, this is they the have to. A, there has to be agreement there. You bring, you know, the kid into the world, and it's like, right. okay, this is my ultimate responsibility. Yeah, and it's just something about that, which is it. Sometimes it's absolutely nothing but enjoyment, and then other times it's absolute terror because you're sitting there going, yeah. "I am responsible for another human being." <laughs> yeah, and the whole thing about. <clears throat> You know, I didn't sign up as, as, a, as a baby or as any of us. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I didn't sign up for this contract. I didn't ask to be born. Yeah. There's a reason that astrophysicists don't talk about what happened before the Big Bang. Yeah. Because we all just agree that these are the rules. Yeah. I'm talking the top minds in the world. They don't even try to address it, really. They just say, it, it, it happened. These are the rules. Let's just move forward from there. Right. I take that the same way as being born. <laughs> it's like, look, you're here. These are the rules of the game. Let's get a, you know, let's get on with with the whole I didn't agree to be just, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, and then, um, so Marilyn was planned. This was December of uh, 2019. Marilyn was planned. We knew that we wanted uh, to to start a family uh, even before that. And then Rosalind was not planned. But, like, we knew we were going to have another kid. It just wasn't as planned as Marilyn. Yeah. It was kind of like, oh, yay. Right. Very happy about both pregnancies. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, didn't, I didn't care if they were boys or girls. I just wanted to be 
happy and healthy. Yeah. And God bless. Yeah, man. You, you know, it's so really funny in several of the episodes that we're recording this week is a reoccurring theme or, you know, the things that we can be grateful for, which is like, hey, I was born healthy, yeah. right? How many people are not? Yeah. You know, or like uh, when my dad pinged me yesterday and said, hey, his eldest sister got diagnosed with ALS, right? And you're sitting there like, wow, I'm pretty fortunate, right? Yeah. Like, like, you know, so there's, you can easily wake up every morning and find at least a minimum of three things to be grateful for. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Even if it's got to be the same three things to figure out what the other ones are going to be. Yeah. And, you know, so it's like, it's kind of like, you know, I had a lot of stresses in business over the last couple of months, right? And it's what happens when you're scaling and growing, as you're very familiar yep. with that we'll dive into. And, uh, and man, I was just, I was absolutely stressed, which is really funny because my wife knows I'm stressed because she's married to me and she sees it in me. And then other people are like, you're stressed right now? Like, you don't show it. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, yeah, no. And you know, like, I'm sitting here, like, I was, I was, you know, telling James this a couple months ago. And so I was like, yeah, I think this is like one of the most stressed I've ever been. And he's like, you're awfully calm for someone who's incredibly stressed. Yeah. And I was just like, well, yeah. And then he's like, so what do you think? And I was like, well, no one's trying to like actively kill me anymore. So I mean, <laughs> I mean it's all perspective, right? It was like, yeah. yeah. I mean, my businesses may open, they may close, but, you know, and I, I mean, not Man. to say there's not somebody out there that probably wants to kill me, but I'm not putting myself in that environment sure, to yeah, run yeah. into the halls of danger every day yeah. or anything. So, right? so when it comes to your wife... Uh, are you are you just open and transparent about the way you feel? Or are you a like never let them see a bleed type? I I'd say it's it's a mixture, right? Yeah. You know, there's times because we're business partners too. Yeah. Right. So if I stressed, I know she's going to be stressed, right? And if I'm stressed, but I know there's yep. a way forward and out, then I don't want her to encounter any stresses where she's going to be like, oh, my God, is this thing going to fall apart? You know, me, I'm stressed. Yeah. It's not going to fall apart. I just got to get this thing fixed and on the way. So I don't want to stress her out. I would say that probably the most of the times that I do, like, I would say physically, emotionally, mentally, or whatever, demonstrate it is when I know that it's not going to – well, I'm not going to say that it doesn't affect her. Yeah, you don't want to, but you see what yeah, I'm saying? It's like it's not going to have like a – uh, yeah, it's know, okay to kind of let off that pressure valve a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah. that scenario. Yeah, as yeah. As opposed to. And then, uh, you know, and then they're, they're, you know, but I would say they're, you know, I've, I've definitely allowed myself to become more vulnerable in front of my wife really? the longer we're together, right? You know, because there's there are certain parts of the year that, I mean, hey, you know, you and I have talked about it, right? Yeah. No need to talk about it on the show, but there's certain parts of the year that bring back some. Sure, absolutely, you know, 100%. Yeah. Right? And, I mean, when that time comes, you know, it's. Oh. Yeah, hey. Yeah, you know? she knows. Yeah, and yeah. she knows, yeah. right? And she's she leans in, right? Like, yeah. hey, it's December 16th. I know that's a bad day for you. Yeah. yeah. Sure is. See, I don't even go that far. Yeah. I don't even yeah. go that far. It's just one of those, like, I'm a screamer. Yeah. So, like, I'll just jump out of, especially <laughs> for, like, we're calm and in the living room. Yeah. And I'll fall asleep watching the TV show, and I'll just jump up screaming. Yeah. She knows, and we don't, we don't want to talk about it. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Um. But, like, as far as our day-to-day goes, I'm very much, like, I never let him see you bleed. Yeah. Very much so. Until you can't, just really. Yeah. And, and, and t- 
I'm not saying that's a healthy way to be. Yeah. You know, but it is the way that I am. And it's the way that's worked for, you know, years now. Yeah. Yeah. I am the rock that others break themselves against, yeah. especially when it comes to my family and anything that might harm them. So, yeah. Yeah. You can yeah. be as, uh, you know, strong as you want, but someday the devil's going to come for that too. And you've got pennies to pay. And, you know, yeah. you, you'll run into somebody like just, just, uh, it doesn't happen often, but, um, God, it was like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I ran into a Vietnam vet at this uh, steakhouse. I was getting to-go food. And, like, just going there to get food, you know, a 30-minute trip maybe. Took a fucking hour and a half. Yeah. And I came back, and she uh, she's like, where were you? What happened? And I, It was so weird because I couldn't articulate because I knew she wouldn't understand the conversation that I had with this man. And this man, talking about Vietnam vets getting old. This guy yeah. was like 75. Yeah. And so I'm having this passionate conversation with this guy and I'm like god how am I going to justify this how am I going to reconcile this with my family I'm an hour and a half later food's just sitting there you know yeah and I got there I got home and she was you know where were you and I said there was a guy I was talking to him don't worry about it and you know that's obviously not a good enough answer <laughs> so so uh you know she kind of kept going and peeling back this onion until I just broke until I just I just broke I was like, look, this is what, and, and, and we talked about this, and we talked about that, and she knew. She knew that she had pushed to a point, yeah. not necessarily in a bad way, but she had pushed to this point to where I couldn't take it anymore, yeah. and I had to open up to her. Yeah. And I think whenever, she, whenever we get to a point like that, which is very, very rare, she backs off. Yeah. You know, because it's just so emotional. It's just this is raw emotion emoting from me that she doesn't know how to reconcile. Yeah, it's funny. And I'm, I'm not talking like violence. I'm talking no, about no. Like quite the opposite. Quite yeah. the opposite, that, that I am very vulnerable. Yeah. You know, and, and that is not an emotion that I show, is vulnerability, yeah. not to my family. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so I hate it. You know, I, I hate getting to that point, but I feel like it's necessary in growth. Yeah. You know, and I never have this conversation with the same person twice. And I never have it with, like, the same type of person twice. You know, when I'm when I was 22, I had it with a you know 30 year old, and when I was 30, I had it with a 45 year old, and now I'm 41 and I'm having it with a 75 year old. So it is a part of my growth as as a man. Yeah. And uh, like I said, that's kind of a hard thing to explain to your wife, the mother of your children, until they pull that band aid off, and you're like, well, well okay, here we go. Right. So um, turns out it wasn't a scratch. Right. 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 <laughs> Yeah, so I hate it. I, I hate being that way. I don't feel comfortable in that zone. But it happens, you know, and I have a great wife that I love very much. I'm very blessed by that. I have a great family. And, um, you know, I'll do whatever I can and not mess that up. <laughs> Dude, you're not, I mean, I always say, man, I, I outpunted my coverage clearly, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and she is, she's, she's an uh, amazing woman. Where the older I have gotten, the more, like I said, it's like, I, I, you know, because I think that, uh, you know, especially by design, just as guys in general, regardless of, you know, what been through like you and I've been through is, you know, very compartmentalized. Yeah. Right. And it's like, so I don't really know how to deal with emotion sometimes. Right. Yeah. You know, especially so it was really funny is uh, I just recently did one of these uh, um, 
Strengths Finder, and they list like I 34 traits. You know what I I'm know talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My CPA is a big Strength Finder guy. Oh, yeah. I Which mean, like, my lowest time. two were Harmony and Empathy, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so when we first met, I was looking at what was I looking at? Some property. I don't even remember what it was at this point. But uh, so, so you're a big analytics guy. Yeah. I am too, to, to, to as much as I can yeah. in a very bipolar industry, such as the bar industry. And you sent me this. Uh, this form to fill out and it was, you know, name everything that lists you and your oh. attributes. Oh, no, no, no. So. That's right. Oh, uh, this is great. So, you know, it's like 50 different things. And I thought if I, I thought if I game this thing, <laughs> I could put handsome and smart and just sent it. <laughs> just sent it. Because I figured if someone would go and put handsome and smart on a form that he's going to send to people he's never met before. That should tell you everything that you need to know about that. <laughs> Especially if it has a sense of humor. Uh. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm laughing at this because I remember this. Oh, I hope you find it. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and you know, so, so, yeah, I mean, it's like so very analytical, right? Uh, because I, uh, I uh, yeah, here, here you go. Yeah, so you're, you're avoidant on the response on the first one. And then on the bottom one, it was really funny because that's the job behaviors. That's the one you actually answered, mm. right? And it's so, Let's see. you know, so like, so what that means is at work, you're having to be very much a team player. You're having yeah. to be very extroverted, external, high sense of urgency and detailed, there right? And so, but it was funny because I remember that part because it was uh, there in Weatherford and you were thinking about opening another bar. Oh, that's bar. right. Yeah, that's and I was, was like, yeah. dude. We're in the middle of a damn pandemic, and you want to open another bar? Bye, like, bye, bye. Yeah, like I was like, "What are you thinking?" Oh, wow. uh, and so, anyhow, but I, I remember because being very analytical, like I was running the numbers, and I was like, "Hey, man, unless they, unless you buy it at this, it doesn't pencil, man." Oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah. We talked about that for a while too. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. But then again, in yeah. 2020, what did make sense? Dude, you're not lying about that. You know, it was one of those times where I knew we were gonna be fine. Yeah, I knew we weren't gonna die. Yeah, you know, everybody's worried like COVID. I'm gonna die. Yeah, obviously the response was worse than what actually happened. Yeah, you know, how many funerals have you been to since 2020? Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. So my thought on the matter was buy everything I can get my hands on. Yeah. And you know, we sold our house in hours. Yeah. You know, when we decided to leave East Fort Worth, and thankfully Weatherford still had something to buy. Not anymore. Mm -mm. But uh, you know, we had some how. We had some homes to choose from. Uh, we started looking in March of 2020, and then they did the lockdowns, and we couldn't go and see the house that we initially wanted. And then, like a lot of other people, our real estate agent uh, took to alcohol, you know, and, and it was just, yeah, well, I guess the world is falling apart. Yeah. We found some people that were brave enough in July to go and show us a couple of houses, and they were a great couple, man. Yeah. Great couple. Um, and yeah, we just hopped on that house. And at the time, it was, it was difficult because I was the breadwinner, you could say, or I was the breadwinner, and I was the one that was going to be putting the down payment on the house. You know, the finances, the money was coming from me. Yeah. But they couldn't, they couldn't count my income because I was technically unemployed due to lockdowns. Right. So, like, it had to go through my wife, and I was just going to gift my wife, you know, whatever it was, like. Ninety thousand dollars or something yeah. like that. It was just why can't I be on it? Why can why can my name not be on? Yeah, this and it was very demoralizing. Other than putting just a hundred percent cash 
you know, cash down, there was nothing I could do about it. And the I, thing you, is, is demoralizing in a country you served, right? Oh, and that's a whole, no, that's oh. a whole, we are, we are yeah. so many train stops past that point <laughs> to yeah. where it's like, I'm calling upon the strength of my ancestors <laughs> who got here in the early 1600s. Yeah. You know, what would they do? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. You know? So, so let's, let's, so let's all back a little bit and talk about yeah. this. So you own multiple businesses. One that anybody that lives in Fort Worth, especially goes to TCU, you. will know of the University Pub. Kind of been a staple of TCU forever and ever. 1981. Yeah. It's a year younger than me. You're younger than you. I'm the fourth owner. Yeah. 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 Not a lot of turnover there. Yeah. It's still there. It's still standing. And so, you know, and you and I would have a lot of conversations as the pandemic came in, Mm -hmm. right? I don't even like calling it the pandemic. Really, really, it was COVID. It's not really a pandemic. Bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And, uh, you know, like you said, it's like, you know, well, I mean, really, how many, you know, has this affected? Do I know some people that, yeah, they had a loved one and all of that? And, you know, and I do. And I, and I try to, I try to use empathy, but again, it's not really my strongest trait. I mean, just just to kind of qualify it, I think that you can just agree with the narrative today that we overreacted. No, no, no. One million percent. Especially with me having a restaurant bar and yours was a bar. Yeah, bar bar. And I was able to do some certain things because it was still a restaurant and bar. But being that you were a bar and the government came in, right, to me, still today, the biggest violation of property ownership and rights I've ever seen Absolutely. in my life. I'm right? so mad about this that this video might get turned over to the fucking FBI. I'm <laughs> yeah. that mad about it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Like, how, how can, the, you know, because the United States, this is the thing a lot of people don't realize in this great country that we live in, is that is in the United States, it, the U.S. Constitution grants the ability to have private property rights unlike any other country on the planet, right? right. But you don't even get the same thing in UK, right? We have a very unique thing here. And so to have this, what are we, 200 and at the time when the pandemic happened, what, 244 years or whatever it is, right? Math for Marines, not going to add me up on accounting. And, you know, and then that's what happened, right? And that I was, I I, I was in, I'm not going to lie, I was in a lot of turmoil, yeah. Over that. That's right? where we bonded, really. Yeah. That's where yeah. we bonded with our, with yeah. our first conversation. Our friend Wayne Taylor, who is a, a title lawyer, uh, who was just on your podcast, what, a year ago? Yep. Uh, he introduced this, and I knew just from the minute talking to you, I was like, wow, I am not alone. Like, I am not the angriest person. I feel that way now. I feel like <laughs> the angriest person now. But uh, at the time, it was so cathartic. Because keep in mind, we were locked away, and the only contact I had were with uh, my employees and and their friends and family. Yeah. And it was a weird time because there was no elder to tell you how to handle this. You know, you were to handle it as you saw fit. Yeah. The that's that's uh, very moving. Yeah. It shouldn't have happened. The reason it shouldn't have happened is that we talk a lot about freedom and then we just discard it for the false illusion of safety. <laughs> so the way I saw it was, these are the consequences of a free nation. We should have seen nothing. And I'll tell you why. You know, you started hearing 
rumors about it in January, and then uh, the Chinese New Year came around, and they were saying, mm-hmm. you know, don't be scared, go go to Chinatown, and then you know you see politicians going and making, uh, you, you know, fortune cookies in San Francisco's Chinatown. Okay, well we're not supposed to be afraid of this. Fantastic. Uh, let's keep moving on. We hadn't been afraid of anything before. Mm-hmm. We weren't afraid of SARS in New York. We had Ebola. In Dallas, Ebola burns through villages. Yeah. You know, there's a reason it doesn't spread because it fucking kills everyone. Yeah. We had that in Dallas, and we didn't miss a step. But all of a sudden, you know, eh, I guess we're supposed to be afraid of this now. Yeah. So you're looking at it, and you're seeing it coming down. And I remember I was at lunch with one of my old regulars who, who had graduated. And um, he said, wow, Notre Dame just, uh, just canceled classes. And I said, shit. I was like, yep. Yeah, this, this is going to happen. This is going to come to us. And yeah, sure enough. I, mean, I remember the night. I remember the night. And then they said, uh, you know, two weeks, which everybody, you know, has heard that. And then the reason that I went along with it was because people were regulating themselves. So right before the lockdown, March 17th was uh, St. Patrick's Day. It was the slowest St. Patrick's Day any pub or bar in this country had seen. Because people were afraid. People were afraid to go out. And what they do? They regulated themselves. So it made no sense for me to buck the, you know, the state government backed by the federal government. There was no reason for me to just open my doors with a rifle. Come on, kids, let's drink. Because nobody wanted to. Yeah. You know, people were afraid. They, they had been fed this so often and so hard that they didn't want to go out. So, okay. So it makes sense not to buck the government. It makes sense not to be this port in a storm where people don't even want to go. You know, and I took some shit from that from some, some people, you know, said I was afraid or something like that. That's not the case. It didn't make any business sense to yeah. be open. Why, why am I going to spend money to open the doors that nobody's going to come to? Right. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, there we had it. And then I kept paying my employees um, throughout as long as I possibly could. And, you know, there's absolutely no income coming in. But I wanted them to be okay. What I wanted was everyone within arm's reach to be okay and my... My main goal was to have this just pass, just be something, you know, be something that happened. And I tried really hard, man. I tried really hard. My wife was also, oh God, three, she was out of the first trimester. Yeah. Their first child. So this was something that I could not calculate. I'm going through uh, this <laughs> global pandemic. Yeah. My wife's pregnant with our first child. And my business is shut down, not on my own accord and not by anything that I did. So what do you do? Well, stiff upper lip, uh, I had to calm my wife down because I was worried that she, like a lot of people, would become hysterical about it. Yeah. And keep in mind, I had friends in in New York, very close friends of mine in New York that were actually afraid of this, you know, based on the numbers that they had with Cuomo putting, you know, the elderly back in nursing homes, which we know is a big mistake now. So to them, it was a lot more real than it was here. And I was afraid that my wife was going to go into hysterics and we would lose our child, basically. You know, that was the threat. I was afraid that I was going to lose my employees that, you know, were just fantastic men. 
I was afraid I was going to lose them. And they would go off and do something that they didn't want to do, like, you know, work at Amazon, work at FedEx, something like that. I wanted to keep it as normal as possible, even though that wasn't a possibility, you know. But I was just trying to keep everybody calm around me. Looking back, I, I, I did the best that I could. I did. I did. They all came back to me, you know. Um, I took them out as, as, as much as I could. You know, I kept them around. Uh, we would have, like, barbecues and things like that. We had uh, the baby shower from Maryland, you know, in, in July that year. And so we were as normal as possible. My wife was robbed of a great many things when it comes to the experience of being pregnant. Like, it wasn't very joyous. It was one full of fear. I couldn't go to uh, any of the sonograms, you know, so I didn't get to experience the, uh, the pregnancy of our first child. And I was there for the birth. I made sure I was there for the birth. I was very adamant about that. Uh, that's a whole other story. But <clears throat> the, the point is, I did my best to keep everyone calm around me. And I fully believed that the world was going to come back. And we were all going to come through it together. Not because we're all in it together. Because that was another just, that was just another misnomer. Yeah. We're not in this together. You are all alone in this. Yeah. You are 100% <laughs> yeah. alone. You are here. Yeah. Your decisions are your own. They may affect other people, but you're alone. And you know what this thing gets you? You're going to fucking die alone. And that's what people don't really want to acknowledge. Like, we're all in this together. Bullshit. Bull fucking shit. So, once you know that, and like we said before, I don't even know if the cameras are rolling, but, I mean, once you accept that you're already dead, well, hey. we're all on our way out. Right. accordingly. Hundred so hundred percent. So what do you do? So yeah. So we're going into. Uh, so we're closed down, and then and then the, the, I'm paying the guys, and the the budget's going low. I didn't apply for any, um, or I didn't I didn't qualify for any of the uh, payment protection program, any of the PPP money. So we were at 1099. Our employees were 1099. It only applied to W two employees, but nobody knew that. Like there was a reason that I wasn't getting it. Now the government was was. The government was giving money away to stop the unemployment office from just collapsing. Like, we can talk about the economy crashing right now. The economy was actually going to crash if they didn't just open the floodgates, print more money in that time frame than they had in the past 100 years combined. Yeah. We just threw money at it. So if there was ever a question about Social Security, you fucking know it now. Yeah. We just answered that one. So what they did is they turned every small business in America into its own unemployment office. Except that didn't apply for 1099s. Mm-hmm. So uh, we reopened in May. I kind of kept them afloat until May. Now, the guys started feeling bad. The guys, There's only so many times you can scrub the floor. You know, the pub was as clean as it's ever been. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pay you, but you're coming to work. Now, I can't compel you to come to work and all of this, yeah. but you know what I'm saying to you. Yeah. And they all showed up. Yeah. I had one guy go off and he went camping and fishing. God love him. Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, and at a certain point it was like, dude, we can only sand the bar top so many times. You know, I feel bad. Just let us, let us go. I was like, nah, it's, it's, we're coming back. Yeah. We're coming back. So May rolls back around and we're given a, we're given a start date. Now, all of these decisions by the government, we're all like that. But you knew where you was going. Mm-hmm. You, you knew what Fort Worth was going to do because Dallas did it the day before. Yeah. 
which is a, which is a problem that I have with local Fort Worth government. You know, we as you know residents of Fort Worth, as a town, had the ability to stand on our own and differentiate ourselves from, say, Dallas or from anybody else. You know, we could have said that these are the consequences of a free society. Act accordingly. Yeah. And we didn't. We followed the lead of, you know, Dallas, who followed the lead of Austin, who followed the lead of New York for whatever reason. And you'll notice, man, everybody that was involved in leadership in 2020. No longer in leadership Just all of a sudden left. Yeah. No longer there now. All of a sudden left. That's convenient. Mm Mm-hmm. So... So anyway, May rolls around, and we're going to reopen. And I've got like a day. I've got like a day to turn this thing around, which is great because I spent the whole time, you know, cleaning. All of my product is bad. My entire inventory is demolished. Because, I mean, beer goes fucking bad. Liquor don't. Yeah. So now I'm going to scramble, and I'm getting it from any distributor, and I'm not alone because every other bar is doing the same exact thing. So it's like, well, you can get... This, we're totally out of that. So I'm just kind of piecemealing, piecemealing together whatever I possibly can. And we opened at midnight. You know, the, the day that they said, we, they said we can open, I think it was May 21st. You know, May 20th, 11.59 p.m. We're all sitting there about to turn the key. Yep. There's a fucking crowd. A fucking crowd is waiting for us. Dude, and how did that make you in. feel? Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Because I was worried that... There had been such a detriment to society that we could not recover. And that just wasn't the case. I never, um, I, I never put in the COVID restrictions. You know, I never took any of that. Not once. And I was a port in the storm that people would go to and get away from this shit. Good. Good. And it worked. Yeah. It worked. It, it paid off. Um, and then we had to close like two days later for a curfew. <laughs> yeah. So we had a three-day curfew, which is another fucking thing that Dallas did first. And then we yeah. got to do it. And I'm like, what the fuck? How am I supposed to navigate all of these things at the same exact time? Yeah. Like how much, you know, dear Lord, why me? Well, because, you know, you can handle it. Yeah. Okay. You know, there was no point where I could just take a break. There, there wasn't a time where I could be like, I got to go and camping, collect my thoughts. That wasn't an option. It was, you are going to hit all of this head on, and you're going to do it right now. And you're not going to let them see you bleed. That was a lot. That was a lot. You know? It was exciting. Can't say it wasn't exciting. Yeah. Um, wish it never happened. No, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you in that uh, something that you said really stuck out to me is, when you're the leader, when you're in the big chair, you're having to remain calm for everybody. Wife, employees, patrons, everybody, right? Can't see you bleed. But the words are even coming out of your mouth. I was scared of this. I was scared of this. And I was scared of that. And that was the thing is, like, people, like, James and I were across the street there uh, a second ago. Um, and uh, he said, man, he goes, one of the things that I've seen in you is, like, even when some like when it's a business situation and a person across the table is literally sitting there motherfucking you, mm. and you remain calm. And I said, "Yeah, man, because there's things that I would like to say and like to do, yeah. but that does not move the needle." And that was the thing, you know, um, you know, big 
you know, big, what is the old saying? Great power comes great responsibility, whatever the hell that is. Right. Yeah. 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 So I had, so I had to do what needed to be done and say what needed to be said, not what I wanted to. And it's not because, yeah, I I, like for me, you know, like you you were scared because your wife's pregnant, right? Right. You're scared for your employees. Right. And, uh, and I was sitting there like, okay, I got to remain calm. As a matter of fact, we had just got our place up in Colorado. That's right. The week of the pandemic. And uh, Maggie was supposed to be flying. She was going to school up at CSU. She was supposed to be flying into Santa Fe and uh, that Friday. So they, No, it was the week before. So it was Friday before the 17th. Because I'm sitting there watching what's going on. And like you, I was like, hey, this is a chance to differentiate ourselves. But guess what? We're going to play follow the leader is what's going to happen. Our politicians are going to play follow the leader, right? Yeah. And I was like, I can see this coming. And uh, so a friend of mine, Brent Tripps, that owns all the Boomer Jacks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'd, I'd call Brent and i say, hey, uh, I said, man, because, you know, he's got, I mean, these things are franchised all over the oh, place, yeah. right? Multiple states. And so I called him because I knew he was already seeing things happen in other states where I called him and I said, hey, what's, you know, what's, what do you think is going to happen here? You know, not because I'm trying to jump on the fear wagon. I'm just want to, hey, I want to know data so I can make it see what my options are. Yeah. Right. So I can assess my options. And uh, and so he he just goes, it's coming. It's coming. He goes, everybody's going to play follow the leader. He goes, you're seeing it all around the country. Yeah, nobody wants to be. Nobody, nobody, nobody wants to stand alone and be the person that stands up and do the right thing. Right. right? And I was like, Okay. So we were going up to Colorado, like I said, the, the week before. We were supposed to be driving on Friday and get to Santa Fe around the time my daughter was going to land and then pick her up, and it's another three hours in the Pagosa, right? So nine hours Santa Fe, another three hours in Pagosa. And I'm sitting there, and, the, and there was a couple things that come to mind. With This is what I think a lot of people don't realize, that you know, guys like you and I have been to some very austere places yep. in our time. And so when people say third world country, I was like, yeah, you've read it in a book. I've actually been in third world countries, right? I have been in austere environments where when things start falling apart and I'm looking around and I'm assessing and then I'm like, okay, taking my experience overseas and applying my experience to what I see in the United States, boom, 9-11 pops in my head, right? And I'm like, first thing you did was start shutting down the airlines, right? Well, just just to add to that. Yeah. Uh, I got a lot of the same calls that um, that you were just talking about. Is what do you think is going to happen? How is this going to go? And I said I'm not worried about it until we start to cancel civil services. Yeah. If your trash doesn't get del- you know if your trash doesn't get picked up, if your mail doesn't get delivered, if fire departments are you know yeah that's when that's it's when it starts and none of it happened. Yeah. And so, that's why I was like, because I've seen this happen before. Oh well, yeah. I've seen what an emergency looks like. Yeah. And this, this was not it. Yeah. This was not it at all. So I was sitting there, and that was my first thing jumping in, is I was like, they're going to start canceling flights. And when they start doing that, I don't want my baby girl being trapped up there yeah. in North Colorado. Because now I'm thinking about family, right? And yeah. I was like, so this was Wednesday night, right? And we were supposed to be leaving Friday. And so I looked at Laura, and I said, because we had a U-Haul with all this furniture that we had to go take to our new place, right? Yeah. And so I said... Call Maggie, tell her to have her shit ready. We're gonna be we're gonna be there at nine. I mean, literally got in the vehicle and we were out the door, yeah. right? Driving all night long to get there. Actually, this was kind of annoying about CSU. Uh, so we get there, we pick her up, right? 
because they're already saying classes are being shut down, blah, yep. blah, blah. Yep. 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 And I was like, okay, you know, and so I remember talking to Maggie, and I got a strong kid. She's she's pretty resilient. How old is she? Oh, she's 21 now. At the time, right. she was, she was 2020, so this was, yeah, so she was 19. And, uh, and so I was like, okay. And I was like, but I could hear it in her voice, right? She's like, nah, Dad, I'm good. But I was like, man, you know your kid. And I was like, fuck that. We're going to get the kid right now. Of course. Right? So we're, we're hauling ass driving through the night. We get up there and uh, uh, grab her stuff, say, hey, listen, we're going to go to Colorado. And, you know, because the university was like, you know, hey, we don't know, blah, blah. Well, by the time we get to, right, so from, from where she is in CSU to where I get to in Pagosa is like seven hours. So we get there, and the very next day they go, oh, well, hey, um, you should probably just go ahead and empty your dorm rooms. And I was like, you could, y'all couldn't have said anything like 24 hours ago, now i got to make that trip back or whatever, right? And then so, but now we're, we're there in Colorado, and I was just sitting there going, okay, my fears where, you know, predatorial behavior exists with us every single day right now. It's the only thing that keeps it in check yeah. is we got – Strong military, we got strong first responders, right? So like you're saying, it's like the second predatorial behavior can see that, wait a minute, they're not going to come do anything. Yeah. That's when it comes out. And you and I have been in austere places where we've seen that Also exacerbated happen. by yeah. uh, what we're supposed to be doing, which is mask up. Right. So – Man, I am just shocked that we did not see even even with yeah. the, even with the the protests of twenty twenty even with the unrest yeah and everybody's wearing a mask or, or they're not but yeah. you know what I mean if you want to commit a crime yeah. all you have to do is what the CDC is telling you yeah so like how yeah. the fuck did banks not get knocked over every oh five yeah, minutes? yeah 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 what yeah, are we yeah. doing are we really like a nice people oh are yeah we really like well behaved oh yeah yeah no uh, so. Yeah, no, I, I, I can remember sitting there specifically and going, I can remember, so whenever I got back in town and I had to go to Origin Bank, right? Yeah. And, and I remember they were like, oh, you got to wear a mask going in. And I remember walking into a bank wearing a mask going, yeah, you know, used to if you did this, like even in Halloween, they'd say, hey, don't enter the bank with a mask on. Absolutely. Right? And even on Halloween. And all of a sudden now yeah, they're absolutely. like, and then now you I'm sitting there to. going, so I'm looking at, it was funny, I was looking at my banker, and I was looking at the tailor, and I was like, how uncomfortable are you right now? He's like, very uncomfortable. Hey, yeah, yeah. It should be. Because now people coming in, wearing a mask, right. and, you know, how do you identify? It doesn't matter any of the facial recognition technology or anything. If somebody's all hooded up, masked up, and, and it wouldn't be odd if somebody's wearing baklava, right? You know, where only your eyes are coming through, because it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. no, 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 they're trying to be COVID, right? So you I, didn't, know? I didn't let that happen. Yeah. I didn't, let, it, people, I didn't let people do it. Yeah. I just, you got to take it off, dude. Yeah. If, if, if you feel uncomfortable, please, by all means, stay at home. Yeah. By all means. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not that I wanted to get a reputation. It was just, I'm going to continue. Yeah. yeah with 100%. common sense. So, yeah, see, you know, I even got into an argument with two guys that shouldn't even been there. You know, they're like in their 50s. And they were putting alcohol wipes on the lip of their beard. I'm like, dude, just go home. Yeah. Just go home. You're freaking yeah. the kids out. Everybody's yeah. having a great time. Nobody's worried about this shit. Yeah. Go home. Well, we're trying to help you out. No, you're not. No, you're not. Go you're making a situation worse. Go help someone else out. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do fine. Yeah. Um, the good thing about Weatherford, that shit never went to Parker County. <laughs> they didn't fucking care. There's a there's a, there's a there's a, a taco bar on the square, and they just they just acted like they didn't hear about it. 
Right. <laughs> they were just open. Full. You can look at their. You can look at their taxes, where you know it goes. Uh, everybody in March and April of 2020 are pretty much recording. You know, either half or just straight up goose eggs for April. Right. You'll see that. Yeah. Except for them, <laughs> they went from like 40 to 95,000. <laughs> And the TABC walks in, like in May, we're like, uh, you guys not, like, oh, we didn't get like an email or anything. Just playing dumb with them. And the TABC, their infinite fucking wisdom was like, uh, well, here's some guidance. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, cool. Yeah, we'll do. Yeah, thanks. Never heard from them again. Yeah. You know, and, and then I think the rest of the town kind of took note. But like, uh, I opened a bank account during the pandemic, the bullshit in Weatherford. Never happened. Never, never, no matter. Everybody was comfortable. We're shaking hands. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So it's kind of funny. It's uh, me and James were at a meeting the other day, and an incident happened, and it was kind of funny because the person we were there with was like, "No, dude, it wasn't going to totally be like that." Uh, is all of a sudden it was a pretty tense meeting, and then all of a sudden under you know you sit behind a desk, all of a sudden I hear, and I was like. Oh, shit, man. You know, like, like James was telling me later, he was like, dude, I was thinking of like an escape plan to get yeah. out of there. He was like, because I don't want to die today. And he was like, did you have anything? I was like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. I, th- I totally thought he was wielding, he was getting ready to, you know, bring a wheel wagon up. And it was, uh. you know, and he was like, what went through your mind? And I was like, nope, today's the day. Right. And he goes, so we, we were even talking about this on his episode. He goes, dude, he goes, it was just, he goes, it's just so funny with you. He goes, you know, here's James also, ben, I mean, dude. Surge of Iraq got half his, you know, March 23rd of 2003, got half his unit mowed down uh, by by uh, uh, an A-10 by accident, right? Call fire, yeah. came in bad, right? And uh, and so he's been in no shit combat, right? Been there, seen that, done that. And he just goes, it was just really kind of funny. You 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 were, he goes, I was thinking a way to get out of there. And you were like, nope, today's the day, <laughs> right? Yeah. And he goes, what is it like that? He goes, and I was just like, Man, look, I've already lived 28 years longer than I thought I would. I don't have any decision making like we were talking about. You know, uh, a, a friend that you know you just found out passed away, yeah. right? Your yeah. your age, right? And you're yep. sitting there going, "I was just like, look, man, I just kind of." He goes, "He goes, you really aren't afraid of dying." I says, "No, I'm more afraid. I'm more afraid of being maimed, like messing my nose or something yeah, than I am of dying, right? Because right. hey, when it's lights out, it's lights out, right? It's like okay, well, you know, yep. it, you know, you ticket gets punched, your ticket gets punched, like you said." Always We're on our way out. Act accordingly. Act accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, and I might like dwell on that too much. You know, there's one thing to accept your fate, and there's another thing to be like, ah, I'm probably gonna be around for that. So I'm work <laughs> you know. Um, you know, and it, you, you, you can't live your life like that. You can't live with any regrets, right? Like, there's things I I would like to do that I haven't got to go do yet, but I don't have any regrets. You know, I'm like, hey, look, if I if in the next 30 seconds, my ticket gets punched. I'm, I'm okay. I've done a lot in my life. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. My kid is doing great. My wife is doing great. Most of my family, you know, doing great. Some of my, <laughs> most of my friends, I think, doing pretty great. Yeah. Right? And guess what? There's two things that are certain. Death and taxes, man. It's going to happen. Yeah. Right? And if you don't pay your taxes, well, go ahead and see how the government says about yeah, that. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so it's just like, for me, I'm like, hey, man, every day when I wake up, I'm grateful because, hey, I'm breathing today. Absolutely. Right? Born a new daily, really. Yeah. And then, you know, and I really don't want to spend my day going through it and being like, you know, oh, the sky is falling or, you know. Oh. Yeah, but also on the other end of that, so before children, 
I felt like I had before before my daughters were born. I felt like I had lived, you know, three lifetimes. Yeah, I'd seen so much. I had done so much. I'd been all over. Now that I have children, you know, I used to, I used to push it. I used to push the envelope of what a person should be able to do. Yeah, you know, as far as like danger is concerned, because I just didn't care, and it never it never caught up to me. You know, I've been hurt. I've been maimed. You know, broken and beaten. But now that you have children. It's like, oh, I have to live to give them a good life. Like, I cannot be selfish anymore and chase this thrill, chase death, really. You know, eh, maybe I should get a car that doesn't have 600 horsepower. (laughs) Maybe it should have four doors. You know, you start to... And then that in itself is its own adventure. Yeah. Like, I am more excited about watching my daughter in swim lessons than I ever was riding my motorcycle at 100 miles an hour with the lights off down sunset. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah. Like, it's just more fulfilling to me to grow and raise these two beautiful girls. Yeah. With, with a beautiful wife. So, you know, yeah, I'm not going camping. I'm not going traveling like I used to. That'll come around some other It'll time. Get, trust me, it does, man. But it's so much yeah. more rewarding. Yeah. Just the small things. Like, to hear my daughter say, you know, say daddy, uh, you know, for her to hug me when I come home, to see their, their, both of their faces light up when I walk in the door. Like, that's just so rewarding. I've never, I've never felt rewarded like that before. Man, and that'll, and that'll never leave you. It's funny when my phone was ringing. I mean, that was my daughter calling, right? And she yeah. was just like, she got a roommate issue. She's figuring out life, you know. And right. I'm just like, hey, you know, here's what, you're, in my experience, these are probably your options, you know. And she's yeah. like, well, we're having roommate meetings. we got this roommate situation thing. And so... What's cool is even after they leave the nest, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of funny. Is I think my wife gets more annoyed now because now that she's older and life decisions, she's calling me and asking me for advice. And mom's kind of feeling a little left behind. I was like, hey, the first 18 years when she was in the house, she was mainly asking you. Right. Now it's my turn for the next 18 years, yeah, right? Man. And yeah. so it, it's just kind of those feelings will never leave, but they do that, 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 um, I don't want to say obligation. That's not the right word. I don't think that's the wrong yeah, word. Yeah, but it's like, hey, she's on her own. She's doing her, she's doing her own jam yeah. now, right? And it's so it does get to come back around where now you can go travel and do things and, and do other stuff. Yeah, I'm a lot more cognizant of doing, you know, thrill-seeking things, right? Do I, you ever – do you ever – yeah, of course. Right. Do, do, yeah. do, 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 <laughs> does she ever ask you a question that you don't even know how you made it through? Oh. And then you either bullshit your way, or do you say, "I don't know, figure it out." And, uh, so, so, so many situations where I'm you, like, "I have no idea how I lived through that." I don't know. I just gonna. Uh. So, so it was kind of funny uh, at Christmas. So last two years having a house up there, we bring up the whole family for Christmas, right? You got your white Christmas, and yeah. you know, and it's and it's Colorado cold, not Texas cold, right? Forty right, degrees there, yeah. much different. Than Forty degrees. You, you, oh, you yeah, I mean, you're yeah, that, right? Yeah, You've been in these areas, right? And uh, I mean, hell, you still wear a short sleeve shirt outside, even though it's snowing. You know, it's scary. Shorts and, and hoodie. So, no, oh, yeah. It's a uniform. Oh, yeah. And it's so, anyhow, the whole family's up there, and they're up your ass. You know, what are you going to major in? What are you going to do with your life? Blah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and then she sticks around for a couple days after they leave, and uh, she and I were running errands. And she says, uh, hey, Dad, just want to say thanks. And I was like, for what? She goes, you're literally the only person not up my ass right now. And I said, well, two things, honey. Remember, I chopped out of high school at 17. <laughs> you know. I don't really have a lot, you know, you know, I did end up going back and going to college and then going back and get an MBA. Sure. But yeah. I mean, seven, I said at your age, I was deployed. Right. Yeah. I was like, I, dude, I was, you know, 
I was deployed. And I was like, you know, but, you know, and I said, and secondly, you know, I was like, whatever you think you want to do today, all that can change. You know, maybe it doesn't just do, be happy. Right. You know, I was like, yeah. cause that could change when I went in the Marine Corps. I thought I was going to be in the Marines for 30 years. And then when I oh, learned, absolutely. then when oh, I yeah. learned, yeah. Oh, yeah. Then when I learned, out. once a Marine, always a Marine, so why re-enlist, right? Yeah. And then joined the PD. Thought I was going to do that for 30 years. No, you know, and it, you know, so if you would have told me 30 years ago that I'd be doing what I'm doing right now, I would look at you cross-eyed and go, what? Did you, did you approach every endeavor like you saw the finality of it? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. like, like you just said. You yeah. just said. Yeah. This besides besides the Marine Corps, besides the, yeah, besides yeah. the police department. Everything that you do, do you kind of look at it as a fin- you know like like I see this as a fine thing? Yeah, yeah, not me. So, yeah. <laughs> and I, I I do now, of course, yeah. you know, and, yeah. I, and I have recently in the past five ten years. But I think one of the most disingenuous questions is to ask someone, "Where do you see yourself in ten years?" Yeah, because stop it. You you could you could try to pretend, but you don't know. It's just a right? lie. Yeah. It's just, why even pretend? Yeah. Why pretend? Yeah, I don't know where we're gonna be in. Two weeks from now. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to hope. Yeah. But 10 years. Get the fuck Like, are we going to get drug into Ukraine? I don't know. Right? I mean, you know, like to say we're not, but, yeah. you know, or if it's not there, where's the next fight? Right? Or, hey, what, you know, what is inflation going to do? How bad is this inflation going to get? Like, there's all these things that, guess what? And I, and I tell this to my team all the time. I'm like, look, and I tell my daughter this. There's, when something or someone happens... You have to assess it and go, do I have control of this situation? If the answer is yes, control the situation. Right. If the answer is no, I don't have control of the situation, then ask yourself, is there a workaround for this situation then? And if the answer is yes, deploy the workaround, make it happen. If not, then the only option is, is no control, no workaround, no, no able to do anything. Don't throw any energy at it. And she's like, really? And I was like, yeah, because then you're throwing a whole lot of time and energy at a problem, being like a hamster on a wheel. Spend a whole lot of time and energy going nowhere real quick. If it's not in your control and there's no workaround, okay, move on from it. Leave it alone. I can guarantee at the end of the day, if you're exhausted from thinking about it, the only person responsible for that is you. Right? And so that's why I look at things. And my wife will call me being aloof sometimes. You know, she's like, this is a problem. And I'm like, all right, are we in control of it? No. Is there a workaround? No. All right. Well, fuck it. What's the matter? Right? I mean, you're going to, are you going to throw more time and energy at it until you find a workaround? Yeah. I mean, I could see that. Maybe if you're looking for a different perspective to see if there is a workaround, but if there isn't one, yeah. You're not going to change the result of whatever that situation is. Yeah. Don't, you know. I mean, yeah. people turn to prayer in that situation. Yeah. You know, yeah. tell me manage things that I can't control. Yeah. That's pretty natural. It used yeah. to be, you know, I think it still is, but. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't control it. Yeah. So to answer your question, though, is does she ask me sometimes? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, have, I have no idea how I got out of that situation. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like it's like with uh, with relationships. It's like oh, he, he broke my heart. I'm just waiting for this. I'm just waiting mm. for this in thirty years. He broke my heart. <laughs> what, what did you? Do? I'm like I, I, I drank it away. I got really fucking sad. 
when that girl broke my heart, and yeah. I drank, and uh, you know, eventually I met another girl. Yeah, how do you, I can't teach that to a girl. I, there's some it, things that I have to punt to mom. Right. There's some things I'm just like, ask your that's mother. That's what I call. That's what I call taking the chicken shit way out, oh, and I'll take yeah. it every fucking time. That's right? me. That's I'm me. like, you, you know will what? always that be like safe. A mom que- that, that that sounds like a mom question. You will always be safe and secure. You're gonna have to ask your mother about that. Like, I got this shit covered. We got this covered. Can't yeah. you just want a car or something? Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. So I don't know. I, 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 you know, I think I'll just have to manage it when it comes my way. Yeah. Gonna- and, and it's really funny. Here's what I'll tell you is, like, I remember when my daughter was dating, not the guy she's dating now, who I really, really do like this kid. He's, 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 he's a good egg. Yeah. But the kid before, I was not a fan of. So right. What do you do? Not, and so it was really funny is leading up to that time when she would start dating this kid, the, not the good one that she is with now, but the other one, is I really had it in my head of like, this is what's going to happen, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But then the moment it gets there and you're like, let me reassess this because what I don't want to do is push a bad position. In other words, push her more to yeah. staying with him. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to, and this was, this was the hard thing as a dad, is I had to sit there and go, this dipshit's going to break her heart. And I got to sit back and watch it. Because if I don't, then she's going to stay with a bad situation longer than what she should stay. She's got to figure it out herself, right? And so the only thing I could do is when it did happen is I just, hey, I'm here for you. What do you need? You deserve better. And then, of course, you know, whenever she goes off to her room, me and her mother are high-fiving like, thank God that dipshit's gone, right? Yeah, right. right and then right. Uh, now there was a moment, right? Do you, do you let was, that happen, though? Not to interrupt. Yeah. But do you let that happen in the same way? When I was, when I was four, I'll never forget it. My mother let me touch an iron. Yeah. That was, you know, I don't know. Yeah. And she watched me. Yeah. Never did it again. Yeah. I, I feel like that's one of those lessons. Yeah, that, you got to. Yeah, she's like, not going to let me, like, lick it. Right. You know what I mean? Right, I'm not right. going like, to put like, it to my chest. Like it's like, yeah. oh, I'm just going to touch it and find yeah. out. Like, like that or an oven or something yeah. like that. You know, as long as the kid's not going to be maimed. Yeah. That's that's a lesson you have to learn. It is. And, so do you uh, do that with the same with relationships? Because yeah, of, you, you, like, you, like, do you let her get into a bad? You, 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 you know, it, it, I really sit back and watch and go, hey, when do I need to step in? So there was a point in this relationship before they broke up uh, where I was like, all right, it's time for me to have a talk with this young man, mm-hmm. right? And because uh, there was some sneaky shit going on. Oh, how's that go? Oh, let me tell you how that went. So I had to meet me a defender. Uh, okay. And, uh, and so, because there's a conference room there. <laughs> and I said, I need you to meet me at my conference room. I gave him the address. And, of course, you know, this poor bastard gets there and it's like, ah, this is a gun range. Yeah. There's no conference room. They walk in and he's like, is there a conference room here? And they're like, yeah, it's right over there in the uh, Platinum Club. Yeah. And then, yeah, so yeah. he walks in there. And I purposely get there 15 minutes late because I want him sweating. Right? Yeah. And then I walk in and it was kind of funny. I walk in and I got a bag and I set it down. <laughs> I said, you want some water or something? He goes, no. I said, all right, I'll be right back. So I go around, you know, and I go to the refrigerator and I get some water. <laughs> and uh, uh, the, the girl that's sitting behind the desk is like, there's a very nervous young man in there. I said, yeah. I said, no. So he's dating my daughter. She goes, oh. She goes, this is wrong on so many levels. And I said, is it? She goes, no. She goes, I just, like, you know, he, he, he looks terrified. And I said, good, mission accomplished. So I walk in here and I sit down and water. And I said, um, My daughter ever tell you what he did in the Marines? And he goes, no, but I'm pretty sure you've killed a whole lot of people. <laughs> and I said, yeah, you know, 
I was a law enforcement for a decade and yeah. a half. I said, you know what that means, right? And he goes, what? And I said, I know how to get away with it. Oh, you're friends. Yeah. And he was, he's sitting there, right? And his lips quivering. And then I bring out a pack of diapers and a box of condoms. And I slap them on the table. And I sit there. And it was funny. This kid's shitting his pants so much. I said, you know what these are? He goes, those are diapers. And I said, you know what these are? And he goes, that's a box of bullets. I said, look close. It's condoms. <laughs> so technically, I guess you could call them <laughs> bullets, call right? Them right, right, right. <laughs> and, and, and he goes, oh. And I said, which one of these is more expensive? Because I can tell you which one gets more expensive. Yeah. And right now, there's a lot of sneaky shit going on right now. Now, I can't stop my daughter from whatever she is or is not doing or what to assume what she is right, or is not right, doing. Right. But here's what I am going to tell you. Now, this is when she's, I mean, she was at the time uh, 18 and off at college and shit like that, right? You know, and, uh, and he was back here in Fort Worth and he was giving her a hard time because she was going out with friends and stuff like that, trying to live the college life. And I said, I'm going to assume that you care very much about my daughter. And he goes, I do. I said, I care very much about my daughter. I care about her health. I care about her safety. I care about her happiness. Mm-hmm. And the thing you, the only thing you got to ask yourself right now, sitting across the table, is can you be happy with me in your life? Because I guarantee if you got to start buying these things, I'm not going anywhere. The kid starts crying. Did right? you get the response dude, you wanted? Dude, dude, he starts crying, right? Tears coming down his cheeks. Yeah. And I said, okay, you got any questions for me? Nope, no, sir. And he gets up to leave, and I was like, hey, you forgot these. Take them with you. <laughs> he comes back to me walking out with a pack of diapers and box of condoms. All right, right so, so for all the pomp and circumstance <laughs> and performance that, that you pulled off at Defender, what if, stop yeah. me here, what if you just fucking pistol whipped him? I mean, does anybody get pistol whipped anymore? Uh, you know, you know what happened just getting your fucking I, ass this goes, this goes back, Bobby, this goes back to... Remember, when we're in the big chair, there's what we want to say we want to do, yeah, and then what I we know, need to I say know, need I know, to know. Now, it's, it's rhetorical. Now, now, right. Now, did I want to pistol whip the shit out of the kid? Hell yeah. yeah. I know. And it would have felt wonderful. Yeah. But I got the desired effect because he dumped her two weeks later. That a boy. Yeah. He was just like, no, I don't think it's going to work out. And, of course, yeah. she's sad and everything else. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, honey. You know, look. Relationships, you know, they're going to come and go, and you know, I'm really sad. And of course, you know, me and her mom are high five and like, hell yeah, that yeah. Hip shit's gone, right? And then what it was is it opened this door where six months later she would start dating the kid she's dating now, who'd been wanting to date her, yeah, for like a year. And but just he was like, man, I want, you know, but she got this boyfriend, and blah blah blah, and now they date and they're she's happy. Matter of fact, she carries herself with more confidence. She looks healthier. She's just in a better place. And uh, so when uh, we were in, uh, we were in, uh, we were back in Colorado, or no, we were up there seeing her in, yeah, maybe it was January or February. I'm trying to remember. Uh, no, uh, maybe it was March. Shit, I can't remember. Oh, I remember this is I had to fly back for a meeting. Uh, so I had to fly out of Denver to get back here for a meeting. And we were up there, and I remember we were going to dinner, one of her favorite spots, and we're walking in, and I said, honey, you know, I'm really proud of you. And I was like, you're, 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 you're happy, and that's what, that's what I'm proud of. You found, a, you found a place to be to be happy. And I said, I'm really happy for you. And she goes, you know, Dad. Um, and she says, the kid's name, I'll, I'll, I'll save him the grace. Not, not yeah. put his name out of here, yeah. right? And she goes, you know, so-and-so 
realized that was not a healthy relationship. And she goes, um, and, I, and I realize now that I'm in a healthy relationship and how much different I feel about myself. Yeah. And I said, awesome. I said, that's, that's incredible. Wonderful words for a father to hear, right? And then she goes, but I got to ask you something. And I said, what's that, honey? She goes, like, how did you not just go, like, pop his head off like a Pez dispenser, right? She was like, because yeah. I really kind of expected you to do that. You think she wanted you to do that? No, and I asked her, I said, is that what you wanted me to do? And she goes, no. That's just kind of, you know, you're my dad. I don't know yeah. who you are. And she goes, I was actually pleasantly surprised that you you have that much control. And I said, well, I said, and it goes back to, honey, sir, there's things in life that I want to say and do. Yeah. And then I need See, to say and do. That's right? the maturity. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I met up with college friends. Um you know, years later, and we'd be out somewhere, and someone would say something, and I'm just like, all right, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. fuck away from me. Yeah. Like, wow, I can't, you've really grown. I can't believe that. Yeah. You know, like, because there would have been a time where I'm just going to, you know, eat this fucking guy. <laughs> and I don't. And so it's like, oh, man, am I growing up or am I just a bitch? <laughs> Is there a differentiation between the two? And I guess, you know, you just pick your battles at this point. It's like, um, you know, when they say that, it's not worth well, it. Like, I finally know, like, this isn't fucking worth it. Oh, dude, I had that same thoughts go through my head. Uh, am I just it. becoming an adult or am I just being a bitch right now? Like, what, what, yeah, what is it? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Don't yeah. Worry, though. So whenever we wind these things down, uh, all right, 20-year-old self. Yeah. yeah. There, I mean, I've there's about a this million one. things that we would want I to know. tell ourselves. I know. What's the one thing? If 20-year-old... You know, steady the course. It, it, it really is. There, there hasn't been a time where I felt truly lost, like I wasn't always doing what was best in my interest. Just, just trust yourself and steady. Stay, you know, stay true and fear no man. Uh, that, that's really important to me. There isn't anything like invest in Bitcoin. You know what I mean? It's just it's like, like the things that I didn't do that most people would regret, there was an absolute reason why I didn't do them. Like I just brought up Bitcoin. There was a specific reason why it was $200 that I didn't invest in it because it was used by drug dealers, assassins, and pornographers. Yeah. I don't want any fucking part of that. So there was a reason to. Yeah, it's, I don't know what it is today, but you know, it would hit like 60000 <laughs> I still don't regret it because it just didn't make sense at the time. I'm going to see. Bitcoin. Because you're the third person to say that today. Really? Actually. Oh, yeah. So today it is $45,785. How many could you have bought for 200 bucks? Oh, I could have, you know, five. <laughs> yeah, you know you'd have like a quarter million dollars. Yeah, but, you know, is that right? <laughs> You know, for that foresight and that amount of time, I want more yeah. than a quarter mil. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. if, if yeah. I got my crystal ball on me, I'm, not, I'm yeah. not doing it for less than a fucking mil. Well, and I tell you what, I love... I love what you said. Just stay steady. Stay the course. You know, we've had this week. Is that fair? No. I mean, dude, this is what I love about the show. Like, yeah. even with the friends that I have that I have known and feel like I've really gotten to know, when I ask that question, well, one, the 80th episode dropped this week, today. Congratulations. Thank you. And I don't think I've had a single similar, or similar-ish, but not yeah. same answer, because that's the first time somebody's gone, hey, just to stay true to yourself, to stay the course, right? And then, like... Nobody you know, said that. that. Nobody. You're the first one. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh -huh. 80, so actually, if you count this week's recordings with the ones that have dropped, we'll, we will have 96 recordings. We're halfway through these things. So even at 88 recordings into this, first one to say that. Hey, I don't, I don't, 
I, I don't know if I ever had the benefit that a lot of people had to where I could allow myself just to fuck up. Yeah, you know what I mean. There yeah. wasn't there wasn't a moment where I could go and study abroad and 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 you know make mistakes. Yeah, it just wasn't there. Yeah, just was never never a part of me. Not from you know my my teenage years were very serious with um you know my my family my mother being sick, um and I had a you know a lot of responsibility taking care of her at a young age you know 13, 14, 15. There wasn't anything that I could do that my friends were doing. You know, I couldn't stay out late. I couldn't make mistakes. I couldn't get, you know, I couldn't get in trouble. Yeah. It just wasn't in front of me. It was yeah. not an option. And so that's why I say, trust yourself. Steady she goes. You know, speak the truth and fear no man. Because that was always what was just forced upon me. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's still today. If I fuck up now, it's not just me. Yeah. You know, I've got a wife, two beautiful daughters. I've got, you know, 10 employees. I've got, you know, multiple businesses. Yeah. If I just went out and went on a bender, all oh, that falls apart. Yeah. You know, do I want to? Do I want to let loose? That's just, come on. Yeah. Of course. But I don't, I don't have it in me to take time off. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's really the only answer I, I, I can give you. So let's do, let's do a plug for your businesses. Let's do so it. You got University Pub. I have University Pub. Is there a website? There is, yeah, Instagram, at university underscore pub. At university underscore pub. University pub. And then uh, Jackalope Bob's Food Box Spectacular is the food truck. Uh, We're usually in Arlington at Caves off a division every Thursday from uh, 7 to close. Um, I have another business called Ox Arma, and that is more of a merchandising business. T-shirts, stickers. That facilitates a lot of the pub, but it also has some of its own original content. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's some other things coming up, but uh, don't want to jinx those. But the, yeah. uh, the papers are in the mail, so I'll be excited to talk about those next time. And I look forward to having you on here again. Right? I mean, you know, I kind of drag you in here. Like, come on, Bobby. Yeah. Come on, Bobby. Yep. Yeah. And just in case you were driving down the road and you didn't have a chance to uh, catch all that, you can always go to our website. MyExperiencedRealtor.com. That's experience with an ED on the end of it. Click uh, podcast, scroll down to Bobby Corbin and hit the click read more and we'll have all these links on there. Bobby, thank you for coming on the show, brother. Thank you so much for having me.